Hello there. Hello, everyone. Okay, so, hey guys, this is Mo the Goddess. I am getting ready to open up um, my podcast recording. So I just want to let you ladies know that I am also recording a podcast while I am in the room. So welcome. Uh, This is the Goddess Glow Up podcast, and I am your host, Mona White. Welcome, welcome. So I have Erica. Erica is in the room on Clubhouse. Hi, Erica. Um, If you would like to raise your hand and come on stage, I would love to have you so I can speak to you. Erica's coming on stage. Hey, Erica. Hi, how are you? I am absolutely fabulous. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm wonderful. Just up preparing some content for for some things that I got coming on the market. Okay, so let us know what you're doing, Erica. Let us know what you have coming up on the market. Okay, let me put my... my, uh, Bluetooth in my ear. Uh, so can you hear me good now? I can. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I am a motivational speaker and a transformational coach. So I focus on helping people um, inner heal. Like let's address the issues that has caused you to be stuck and and reasons why you can't move forward. But after we fix the things that's wrong with you, what's next? Right. What's the next level? Right. So I am working on um, the One Step Beyond You Academy, which will be showing you how to level up. And so I'm in the process of doing the webinar and things like that now. And so the program will be launching in about the next 30 days once I finish getting all of the, um, you know, all the, the bones uh, all the meat and potatoes created, you know, like the webinar and the marketing and the advertising um, in order to launch the, the program. Okay, great. So let me ask you a question. You said that you are a motivational speaker and you help women heal. And uh, originally I had a room that was supposed to open called Heal Sister Heal, but for whatever reason, Clubhouse would not allow me to open it. So I opened this new room called Healing Conversations. And I think that is, um, I think that is so much, there's so much needed healing, needed healing in our community, especially amongst sisters. So because you are a motivational speaker and you are a healer, I just would like to know what is it that women are coming to you for the most, where do you find that the healing is most needed? Well, let's talk about the woman that is in the house with the husband and the, that has a quote unquote family, the kids and the husband and the dog, right? And, and she has to prepare meals and take the kids to school. But now we're in the pandemic, right? So now she has to be the teacher and the mom and the coach and everything. And so she is giving so much of herself to everyone else, but has forgotten about herself in the process. And so she just feels like, why is she here? She just 
mirror, she feels as if she's not good enough and that she's not beautiful enough or and what is her purpose here on life. I know there has to be more to my life than just changing diapers and, and being somebody's uh, mate. What, else, what did God put me here for? What is my purpose in life? And so we hope heal from the, the some of the things that has happened to them prior to even getting into the marriage. You know, things that um, that has implanted those thoughts that she had. Because a lot of people have uh, negative mindsets. I can't do this. Or this is just the way that I've always been. But that is... Uh, that is the wrong way to look at it. And so we help address those negative thoughts, those negative mindsets, the things that prevent you from moving forward. And and we begin to heal from it. And so I gotta go a little deep, you know, I get nosy, I find out about um, people, a lot of, we could say 75% of women have been molested or touched in some form or fashion, uh, violated whether it's been from a family member or a boyfriend or, or someone you didn't know. And what we do as humans, we take those things, those traumas, those experiences that happen to us, and we throw it back in our subconscious. So we just throw it away in a little chest in the back of our head and we forget about it. And we do that as a survival technique so that we can move forward in life. So in other words, what we're doing is now we, 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 we have kids, husbands, jobs, you know, all these different things that come at us uh, in everyday life, which allows us to keep forgetting about the things that, you know, we threw back in our forebrain. And when you get to a certain point in your life, something triggers it. Mm-hmm. And when it triggers it, it causes you to have depression, self-doubt, the feelings of being stuck, the feelings of why am I even here? Why did God make me? What am I put on this earth for? Right. And, and, and I love that. I love that, um, that you speak about that too, Erica, because that has been the running subject for myself because even at the age of 50 years old, I just turned 50 in October. I still find myself healing from those past childhood traumas. Um, One of the things that I have learned to do for myself, for my own self-healing, is ask those questions that you put out there. What am I here for? What is my purpose? But not to um, allow myself to be uh, have this anxiety and this stress and this depression. What I do is ask the right questions. I take the time to meditate and wait for those answers within myself and try to do something positive where I feel good. Because let's face it, we cannot turn back the hands of time and change those things. We cannot act as if they uh, have not affected us. But at the same time, we cannot allow them to imprison us and keep us from moving forward in our lives. So what is the first step? I guess it it would be um, uh, a case-by-case basis, but what usually, how do you peel the onion or allow someone to um, start to trust you to allow you in to those traumas? Because there's a lot of shame attached to childhood traumas as well. So how do you start to peel the onion 
with people to get them to trust you? Well, uh, that, that's great that you asked me that. There's two things that I do. Those who do not know me and never have followed me, but, but they can see something in me, um, I'll give them a copy of my book to get them started, which is The Seven Techniques of Healing. Okay. And in the seven techniques of healing, I designed the book as a guidebook to help you to go through uh, your healing process of identifying and asking yourself deep questions. But it also warms you up with me because everybody that I have just given the book to and don't sell it, I just say here, but even people who purchase the book, but given the book and then they all call me or message me like, I know when people was on chapter two, because <laughs> they're always, you know, crying. I'm like, oh my God. But, so that's one of the things that I do to warm them up with me. But the other thing that I do is I begin talking to them. And I do not mind sharing personal stories. I go so deep that sometimes it's like, whoa, you went through that? Because to look at me, you'll never know that I went through the things that I went through. But I had to go through my healing journey in order to be very, very transparent to people. And so because of my transparency of sharing my hurts and pains and traumas and how I overcame it, I get the same response for everyone. It's just something about you. I don't know why I am telling you this, but I feel so comfortable with you. So that is my gift. We all were brought on this earth with a gift. Mm-hmm. And my gift is being able to talk to people and them naturally open up to me. Okay. So you said that you don't mind going deep and allowing people to hear your story. Do you mind sharing bits of your story? What makes you an expert in the, in the area of healing? Well, we can go back into the story. So for me, my trauma started when I was a little girl. Um, my parents, they used to argue all the time. I know many people have parents that, that argue and don't get along. But for them, like my dad would move out of the house and come back and move out and come back. So one day when I came home, he was gone. This time he was not coming back. And that totally devastated me because I wanted him to be in my house and show me the love. I wanted to be uh, raised up in that cookie cutter family, you know, where your dad is, is taking you out to dinner, showing you how a man is supposed to treat you, showing you unconditional love telling you that you're beautiful so when the first person comes to tell you that you're beautiful you just don't fall for anything like to teach me standards what is standards what is morals well as a result of him not being there I was looking for that love everywhere anybody that say you love me oh she loves me and if a male figure show me attention then I'm like okay well maybe he's gonna treat me like my dad well we had a neighbor that lived down the street from us and my mother and him were friends and she would say you know go over and wash his dishes he'll give you some money for ice cream or whatever or you know go and go he'll take you so one particular day my mom said have can you ask him to take you to the store i need some things for groceries i said sure so we went to the grocery store and on the way back i remember trying to get in the back seat and he says, why are you sitting in the back seat? I said, because I, I, I'm, I'm a kid. I want to sit in the back. He says, no, why don't you come up here with me? So I go to the front seat, and I remember sitting closest to the door as I possibly could. And he goes, oh, you're sitting so far. I said, well, I'm enjoying the scenery, you know. 
And he says, no, that's too far. And he reached over and he grabbed me and he gently pulled me close to him. Well, you know, back then, the cars did not have a center console. Right. So there was nothing separating you from you and the, uh, the driver. And I just remember bracing myself, like squeezing my legs and my arms tight, like, like building a fortress around myself. Well, needless to say, a 13-year-old girl is uh, no defense to a grown man. And he began doing inappropriate things to me and touching me and just totally violating my space. And when we got home, I did not say anything. Mm -hmm. I took the groceries. But what that taught me was is to keep silent. Right. And it taught me how to run. I started running from everything, from my problems, from life. I ran, I started running away. That's when my running away started. And my mother then kept saying at 13, you just got fuck wild, what happened to you? You know, they would have to chase me, I would be in the streets. I started drinking, smoking, partying. I was out of control. Like I was totally out of control. Probably needed to be in the juvenile uh, detention center. I got so fuck wild. And, but that just kept going and going at 17 years old. I became a stripper. Uh, when I met my first husband, as well, we weren't married. When I met him at 17, um, I had my first child at 18. Then we got married at 19, and I stayed with him for 10 years. And that 10 years was such it was it was abusive marriage, verbally and physically, because I had no standards, and I was so used to men violating me and treating me like anything. And so I went on for. For many years, even after getting out of that marriage, uh, getting into relationship after relationship with all that hurt, pain, never healing from it. Right. And it wasn't until I was 35 years old when I went back to college. Once I went to college and I graduated from college, I said, certainly my life is going to be great now, right? I can finally get a job paying me more than $10 an hour. I'm valuable. I, I, I see something better in myself. Well, what happened was I ended up hitting rock bottom and became suicidal and basically wanted to throw in the towel. And that was my lowest point. And that is where I had to start my healing journey. Because okay. this is what happens to people. I will say this and I'll let you. This is what happened to people. When you start out life with those hurts and pains, those traumas, right? It's almost like your, your core it's a, it's a cracked foundation. So the things that you go through in your life is, is the center of what you're going through. It's your core. So it's a crack. It's cracked. Your pain, your trauma is cracked. And what we do with that cracked foundation is we start to add on everyday life, jobs, kids, husbands, all, you know, just to survive. And one day our foundation gives way. And when it gives way, that is the same as uh, hitting rock bottom and becoming suicidal and depressed, you know, having depressive episodes and things of that nature. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Erica. And and um, and ladies, just so you know, I see you, Dana, Liz, Ewan, I see you guys. And um, feel free at any point, if you want to raise your hand and come to the stage, we're all just here in this safe space. We are talking about healing and with that being said, Erica, let me just share with you. I was one of those people who did tell. I told and um, the violation and the, the coming into my space happened from my stepfather. 
So I told my mother and I was blamed for it. Well, you, you need to wear a robe around the house. Um, you, um, you shouldn't be so fast. You shouldn't be, you know, the kid was being the blame for what was going on. So quite like you, that taught me to be quiet. That taught me that I wasn't important. I wasn't loved. My concerns were of no one else's concern. And to really just um, kind of internalize that. And, and like you said, you go through life carrying that baggage and it's not only your trophy, but it is, um, it's weight, it's weight. So with that, I gained a whole bunch of weight. I was looking for love like you in all the wrong places and all the wrong faces, got into abusive relationships, was left for dead on the street. You know what I'm saying? So our childhood trauma, sometimes we don't even, you know, things are coming up for me now, now at the age of 50 that I thought I healed from and I thought I had forgotten all about but I found myself the other day waking up like weeping because one of the events that happened as a child, I was five years old. And one of the things that happened to me at, a, at five years old, I was remembering it like it was happening to me right then on the spot. So I was like, okay, I know what this is. In order for me to go higher, because every time I, I ask, you know, I pray and I'm like, okay, God, what you want me to do now? You know, I want to do something bigger. I want to do something bolder. Well, we can't continue to carry all that baggage along with us if we want to ascend. We want to elevate in our life. So we have to start healing it. And every time I ask for more, then things like this start to come up which are unhealed traumas. And at that point, that's when I start to address different things, you know, um, forgiving myself uh, and, and really just unlearning all the stuff that I learned about myself, affirmations, all those things. So you said you became suicidal. What was the breaking point for you when you went to college? Like, what was it where you said, okay, I'm depressed and I feel like this is rock bottom for me. What was there any one thing that happened to you? Well, after I graduated, um, I had like two jobs, but they only lasted like a month, right? Because I was like, oh, okay, that's not the, because I'm in the medical industry, right? And so I had to quickly learn that I didn't want to deal with patients. So I had to be, you know, so those two jobs were just, you know, getting my feet wet in the industry to learn that I want to be on the administrative side, you know. And anyway, I landed my dream job. Um, and I'm at my job and my daughter, she had just got a scholarship uh, for college. And so she moved to Taiwan at 16. My oldest son had got in a relationship with his uh, significant other. And then he moved out. And my youngest son moved to with their father. So every day for one year, I, I go to work in the morning in my cubicle. And I cried every morning from 8 in the morning to 11 in the morning every single day. 
I couldn't even listen to T.D. Jakes because he would just make me fall out. Like, I was like, I, I just had to turn and completely try anything that would play was just drive me insane. And so I tried to figure out the best way I can. One of my co-workers was like, well, I take medication, you know, uh, perhaps you need, uh, uh, you know, medication. And I was like, no, nah, I don't need medication. I just didn't know what it was that was causing me to cry. Um, so after that, because I worked two jobs at that time, um, I'm at my second job and I'm talking to my co-worker and I'm expressing to her, like, this is what I'm going through. And she said, well, there's a church, you know, out here. I said, because the church that I used to go to before I moved out in the suburbs, it was a pretty uh, far distance. And I wanted to find an African-American church out in the suburbs. And so anyway, she recommended a church for me that was out where we located. And I remember meeting the pastor and expressing to him that I've been crying every day for a year. My depression is getting worse. I don't know how to control it. He started praying with me and he became my friend. Like we gave me his phone number and would text me good things. And so I became a member of that church. So that was one of the things that, um, that kind of kept me on a steady flow. But what happened is the awe, awe was that I, it was two weeks before I was due to go to Taiwan. The work from the second job had slowed up. The first job, they took us off of overtime. So for once in my life, I'm sitting in my house on my new furniture by myself for the first time in years. And the first day, it was cool. I got to watch cable, right? Because I never get to watch TV. But by the second day, I'm sitting in my recliner rocking. And I'm just losing it. And by the third day, I was completely gone. I felt like it was it was something that I couldn't control. I was about to end it all that day. And then my phone rang. And it was a friend said, hey, I haven't talked to you in a long time. I just came into town. Is it all right if I come to see you? And that was the day that everything began to change for me. But I went on crying for like six months pouring out everything that was in inside of me. What I learned is that the shame and the secrets that from that weight of the trauma, the shame from the things that I did when I was stripping, um, just the, the, the pain, the weight that everything carried had got so much for me that I could no longer bear it. And what brought it to the forefront is the fact that I could no longer hide it from working two jobs or taking care of kids or doing all the things that I did because there was nobody left but me. And for once in my life, I had to deal with all of the SHIT that I did all of my life to that point. Well, well, I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that you're here and you uh, took the steps necessary to heal yourself. I mean, because a lot of times, like you said, a lot of women will get stuck in the mindset of this is just the way that I am. This is what I'm going to be. I'm not good enough. I'm not loved enough. You know, I'm supposed to be in this broken relationship in this uh, toxic relationship. And that's all that they do and attract into their life. So I applaud you for, um, understanding what it is that you need. 
Liz and Dana, do you guys want to come up to the stage at all? I would love for you to introduce yourself, Liz. I see you there. Let me see if Liz wants to come up. Come on up and tell us who you are. And um, hey, welcome. How are you? so much for coming on stage and sharing and if you don't mind me asking how old are you exactly I'm 26 so at 26 just so you know I, I hopefully this is encouraging to you but just so you know at 26 I had no clue on how to heal. I couldn't even wrap my head around what I needed to do or if healing was was even something that I could have for myself. I just thought that that was who I was and that's what I was supposed to be. So you are definitely on the right track. You are definitely taking steps in the right direction to even be able to identify those things you know from your childhood that affect you now um and it seems like you you said dana is your sister so it seems like you have a really good support system 
as well. You guys are here together. Dana, do, yes. would you like to come on stage and speak or you, you cool chilling? Whatever you guys want to do is great. I think it's just um, when everybody speaks, when one woman heals, we all heal. That's how I look at it. When one woman heals herself, she heals a whole nation. So if you guys are definitely welcome, Lakeisha, if you want to come on stage, you're definitely welcome as well. But Erica, is there anything that you'd like to add to Liz? Yes. Um, hi, Liz. First of all, thank you for being courageous enough to come and share your story. Um, there is power in the story. Um, when you begin to share your story in a, in a weird sort of way, it begins to release the weight that you carry. So when you keep it in silence, like most of us have done when we went through our traumas, that uh, exhilarator made it much more than than what it was because we kept it to ourselves, made it you know more intense. And so because you guys are here, um, and now you're on the first steps of, of taking the weight off of it. Second thing is I want you to know that the healing journey is a lifelong journey. Even once you heal and you and it's something that you and your sister and these things that you can teach your siblings as well. But what I would like to do is if you don't mind, if you guys follow me or, or DM me on my Instagram, um, I would like to mail you guys a copy of my book on me, um, you know, it's for you and your sister so that you can use some of the tools in the seven um, techniques of healing. The book is all, it's a guidebook to help you through and help you uh, to, know, well, you know what the problem is, but help really identify some of the core issues and it gives you techniques that you can use for the rest of your life. And, um, and so that's what I would like to be able to do to add some value to you and your sister. Thank you so much. That is so nice of you. Um, I will definitely message you for that. And thank you, um, thank you for adding value, Erica. That that's that's great. Thanks, Liz. Um, because we are having healing conversations, I would love for you to let us know at which point did you realize? Because sometimes we think what goes on in our life is just normal, especially when we we've grown up in that environment, you know, all our life. So at which point did you know that your parents' behavior was actually affecting you? What was it in your life that you noticed that was happening for you that made you uncomfortable, that made you want to heal? Um, it's a bit of a, to get to this stage now um, of healing. So I think from a child, I've always known it wasn't normal I've always felt unsafe um so as a child witnessing what I witnessed and um there was a lot of manipulation and stuff that went on around it I always knew it wasn't normal because I knew I couldn't talk about it to anyone outside of the home um and my little sister was little so 
of course we see things together but I wouldn't exactly sit down with her and tell her everything else that has happened that she hasn't seen because we were just little children um so I've always known it was it wasn't normal and that I needed healing but I didn't I first thought it was numbing so like as a teenager I used to drink a lot of alcohol I used to take a lot of pain medications um with my not speaking and expressing myself I developed physical ailments so I have fibromyalgia I just keep I used to just keep everything in and just try and like drink it away and um so I knew I needed something but I didn't know that it was in me already and that I needed to kind of unlearn things so it wasn't until 2018 when I had my psychotic break where everything came back to me so I think one of you mentioned earlier about something happening when you were five and feeling like you were reliving it now that happened to me in my psychotic break where everything traumatic in my life including things that never happened to me but traumatic things I'd heard from others all came to me at once and I was reliving or living these experiences um and then for the past two nearly three years it's been it gets slower so I still go back to these experiences but now it's slower I'm able to really feel my way through them and I'm like okay this this part here needs addressing and then I've had like talking therapy where I can express this is what I've remembered and this is how it made me feel inside and then with them they can they've kind of helped me so I think I've always known I've needed healing but it wasn't until I was forced to with my mental health that I really opened myself up to the idea of trying to heal in a way to move forward and not to just numb myself from feeling anything ever again yeah it makes a lot of sense and that's what happens to a lot of us in um those traumatic you know uh toxic homes we are taught and told you better not tell what happens in this house that was like the going theme in my house don't tell what happens in this house so not only are you feeling inadequate and unloved and unsafe and and all those things uh i know at least for me I, I mentioned that I did tell. So I told, and of course my mother uh, expressed it to my stepfather. So now I'm looking at her like, okay, this is continuing. And he's looking at me like you told. So, you know, now you're going to get it worse. So it was just like, you know, I, I felt like I had no one to advocate for me. And then to be told, don't tell what happens in this house. So I carry that baggage with me and I still have triggers. You know, a lot of people, like you said, Erica, a lot of people look at me and they go, oh, not her. You know, she's so confident. She has such self-esteem. She has this and she has that. And she, you know, she's doing this and that. But everything that I do each day, like you said, it's a never ending process to heal. Everything that I do each day is practice um in becoming better and feeling better and you know loving myself so those are some things that i definitely encourage you and your sister to do do more of what makes you happy 
Do more of the things that make you smile and make you feel good. Look at yourself in the mirror and tell yourself that you are loved and you are valuable and you are enough because that's another thing that so many of us struggle with, feeling like we are enough, feeling like we're being seen and heard. Um, Sometimes you get to the point where you've carried, you know, the being unseen, unheard, unloved for so long till when, at least for me, I would be in relationships with people, whether it be friendships or romantic relationships. And it was never a gray area. It was never me, you know, being able to express myself logically and clearly. The only time that I really expressed myself is when I was explosive and, you know, angry and I knew you were like the rest and, you know, not really knowing how to express myself because I held stuff for so long and it turned into anger and that trans, trans, um, translated in every relationship that I had. So like I said, I'm just really proud that you guys have even taken the initiative to check yourself and to start healing. Thank you so much. I definitely relate to what you were saying. But where you were saying that yours came out and it was like an anger, mine was on the other side. It was fear, a fear of speaking up to people and telling people how I feel and just, just holding it in. And even if I'm firm with my beliefs and my stance on something, as soon as someone would question it, I'd go back to, oh, yeah, I'm wrong. Like, I shouldn't be questioning things. I'm seeing it wrong. I don't, I don't know much. And I'm just a little girl and I don't know anything. And I'm wrong. And it would always come back in my head. And I could know I'm right. And it could be two plus two is four. And someone could tell me, no, it's three. And I would just be quiet and hold it in and know it in myself. So now I'm trying to be more, be myself out loud is what I said my goal was for 2021 and to just speak out loud the things and not cower away when I'm faced with, you know, opposition or someone trying to put me back into this box that I've been in. But I can also see that I have, there's a lot of it that comes from my childhood, but in as an adult in relationships, friendships and things like that, I know that this is the persona that they've met me as. So now stepping into you, I really am. They don't know that. So I know there's going to be some bounce back. Um, so I just have to like stand firm in it. But it is not easy <laughs> at all. But I am committed to doing it. And my sister, Dana, she's my younger sister, but she's, um, I think it's common in a lot of families when there's a younger sister and she's the one that's just like, yeah, I'm going to take care and protect my big sister. And because I was more quiet, she was like, she knew there was things I was holding in. So she's been trying to protect me a lot. So it's now trying to find a balance where I'm like, okay, how do I express myself in the way that my sister could express what I want to express for me but for myself um, to take that off her too so that we can just be ourselves and not have to go through life trying to protect each other from everything when it, we never put ourselves in harm's way in the first place um, so yeah it's just a lot of baby steps and it's gonna last forever um, but I think just 
even just the baby steps forward, they make a huge difference. And I was trying to get others to see it too. Like once I started to take the steps, I'm like, oh, this is great. Like we can heal, things can get better. And some people are like, nope, can't happen. We're just meant to be like this forever. And because I felt that way before, I completely understand it. But now it's like trying to come to the point of like, okay, I have to keep moving, even if you don't want to move. Um, really hard, love you, and hope to see you on the next level. But I can't stunt my growth anymore. Um, it's, yeah, it's just hard. <laughs> yes, I applaud you. Do not stunt your growth, girl. And you have to be unapologetic about who you are. And and here's the thing, the whole fear aspect of it, I dealt with that too. Because like I said, you know, it was always don't speak. And if you speak, nobody's going to care anyway. So I kept so much stuff bottled up as well. And I think that is a part of... Um, the process you got to go through all the channels you know before you really um walk your way through being your badass self and you're on your way you are definitely on your way and you're able to articulate your needs quite clearly um and yeah you know that that's how you do it that's how you do it don't beat yourself up too much don't be judgmental of yourself. Um, understand, like Erica said, it's never ending. It's ongoing. Every day that you get up, you'll learn more about yourself and you'll learn more about your needs. And as long as you know that, that is half the battle. That is half the battle and you'll be fine. Yes, and I just want to say, like, find, I'm glad that you are in pursuit of finding your voice because it is not easy. Um, but you had said something that, like, you are afraid to sometimes speak up for yourself, right? And I was that way, too. One of the things that I learned, and this came from dating a guy that is so good to me, right? Um, but I've been in so many broken relationships so many, you know, I had two bad marriages, but tons of broken relationships. And I was afraid to to speak up because if I spoke up, it meant that I would be reprimanded. And so I would hold it in and hold it in. And then, um, as Mona said, when I spoke, I lashed out. You saw all it was time to fight and it was, it was, it was on then. But when I learned how to effectively communicate, that means that when something starts to know that it's okay that, hey, that didn't make me feel good or, hey, I didn't like that. And then we can actually talk about it without letting it build up and fester to be more than what it is. So when you learn how to communicate effectively, it is going to take a process. I'm not saying it's something that you can do overnight, but it takes practice. You practice on how to communicate with your mate. Even if it's something as simple like you like to watch Channel 2 and every time he come in, he changed to Channel 4. And because you're a good woman, you're like, well, I'm just going to do what he wants, you know, and never say, hey, I really don't like Channel 4. 
But if you tell him that from the beginning, then he goes, oh, well, he's going to think twice about coming in and changing the channel. That's effective communication, or at least of you guys trying to come to a common, a common understanding. And when you feel as if I'm going to, if I say something, I'm going to get in trouble. Always remember this. You're 26 years old. Who's going to whoop you? If you say that to yourself enough, who's going to whoop me? Then you'll begin to get courage. Because as, as I'm 44 years old. And my and with my friend, like four or five years ago, I used to, to, to not speak up for myself. And he said, Erica, I'm not going to whoop you. And then it, it kept saying it. And then I thought about it. Like, dang, this man has never yelled at me. He's never, you know, uh, treated me in any unkind way. Why am I afraid? And so once I got that down in my psyche that he's not going to whip me, ain't nobody else going to whip me, then that's when I began to get the courage to actually have a conversation and communicate with my partner and begin to find my voice. And so in the process of, 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 of practicing and finding my voice, then I was able to, to really, really speak it out loud as I do now. Like if you ever go to any of my events or social media, I, I, I have no problem with telling somebody my story because you never know the story that you share, Liz, how it is going to save somebody else's life, how it is going to impact and make a difference in their life. So I commend you for even being here and sharing your story. Definitely. Definitely, Liz. Definitely. You, you know, like I said, you, at, at your age, I had no clue. I had no clue. And here, here is what I want to kind of uh, piggyback off of what you said, Erica, when you say, who's going to whoop me? Do you know me being a 50-year-old woman my mother is still living and she is still acting as if nothing ever happened. Like it's still that elephant in the room. And up until recently, I wasn't able to even express to her how some of the things and the way that she hasn't changed. Okay. So her treatment has never, has never changed. And I had to say to myself, the very thing that you just said, Erica, who going to whoop me? Like this woman, she can't whoop you. She can't, you know, she's not going to break the belt out and whoop you if you mention how your childhood was horrible and how a lot of it. I mean, but we, we have to choose to grow through that, too. We can't hang on to it. I can't look at her and blame her for my happiness or my sadness for the rest of my life. But at the same time, to be able to express my story and my truth, I don't have to hide it anymore for fear of what she's going to do to me because it was so big. Don't tell what happens in this house. So I get to tell. And, um, you know, I had to learn how to be unapologetic about that because I thought I still had to tiptoe over the story. Oh, she's going to be exposed if I express my story. My stepfather is going to be exposed if I express my story. You know, maybe they're not ready to tell their version yet, so I should still be quiet. And I really had to talk myself 
in my way through that and say, no, I'm a grown woman and I have the right to express myself. I have the right to say how I feel so that I can heal. So speaking your truth, you are, you are on it. You are doing the right thing. You're expressing yourself and you're doing it. And, um, because you know what you, what you need and what you want. And I also commend you. Keep doing it. Keep working. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's the exposure element of it that I just, when you said expose, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like a lot of things, if I spoke on them, it's exposing and don't, it affects the family if you speak on things and there's things that you just don't speak on. Um, you just kind of get on with it. It just make life easier. It's everyone else's business, even if it affects you. The things that happened in the household that affected you, because it's your parents' business. You don't say anything. You hold it in. But like, um, it's been meant. There are people that can be helped by it, and that's really so much more important than someone feeling embarrassed for something that they actually did. Yeah, you know. Um, when Mona was talking, Mona, one of the things that um, came to my mind that will help anybody is that you teach people how to treat you. So I get it as a kid, we don't have, like, we have no control over what happens. But as an adult, you teach people how to treat you. And what I mean by that is if somebody is not treating you right and you don't say anything, then you're saying to them, it's okay to treat me that way. Because they're saying, hey, you always let me do this. But if you begin to change things, you know, and set a standard and say, hey, I'm not accepting that. You can't treat me that way. And then they'll change it. But how do you teach people how to treat you, right? So I'll give you an example. My mother, she's a, she's a cusser, a fighter, right? Because she was molested as a child. So only way she knew how to act out is anger. I F you up. I do this. I do that. And then love you and cook you dinner all at the same time. But one day I go over my mom's house and I'm sitting there and um, she asked me a question. And I didn't want to give her the answer because it was none of your business. And so I, I answered it, you know, in a nice way. Like, yeah, no, I can't tell you that. And then it kind of escalated. And she was like, uh, I'm your mother. Don't, don't, I'm your mother. Don't. You got to tell me. Don't, don't, don't act funny, Missy. I'll get my belt. Now I'm 40 some years old. And I said, hmm, okay, so do I sit here and I let her think that it's okay or do I not correct her? So I politely corrected her and she had a problem with that. So I got up and I walked out of the house. And as I was walking out of the house, she ran to the door and grabbed the door. You can't leave. You can't leave. You know, where are you going? And I, I let the door now go. I walked away. So she like let her guard down and then I walked out the house and, and I didn't talk to my mother for three weeks and then three weeks later when we talked I said to her that that was not okay the way you talked to me and that was not okay how you treated me if you want to have a relationship with me then this is what I require but if you don't want to have a relationship with me then you can continue to keep doing the same thing that you were doing and my mother's did not like not speaking to me for three weeks but that is an example of how you can teach people to treat you just because they're an adult don't mean you can't make them pay consequences even with a boyfriend if it's something he likes 
take the sex away. Girl, you can't visit me. Don't talk to him. Like, don't talk to him for two or three weeks. He gonna miss you. He is really gonna miss you. I'm like, dang, I better not do that again because she gonna cut me off for two weeks. Those are ways that you that you teach people how to treat you. You tell them what they did wrong and you give them a discipline and then either they'll respond to it the right way or they'll just be like, okay, I'm out of her life. I can't handle the discipline. But either way, it's a win-win situation for you. I definitely need to take a leaf out of your book there because I would, well, I'm learning to do it now, but not not as a comeback. It's kind of like final with me. I'm just like, okay, if I'm telling you how I feel, that's it. Uh, I can't even fathom thinking about speaking to you again. But that's because I've let things get to a point of it's the final straw after a hundred things. So moving forward in new friendships and relationships and dynamics or the family relationships that I do want to keep, I am planning to try and implement saying how I really feel um, and then allowing things to shift. But I know it's a shock. It's a shock to my system. So I can only imagine it's a shock to the system and some of the people around that do care. But I've noticed the ones that don't have really fallen off. Yeah. I, I'm so proud of you, Liz. I really am because you know what you need and what you want, girl. And I'm kind of like you. Um, the give it a break for two to three weeks. No, I'm not like that. I am to the point, I'm not saying that I will cut you off completely, but I am prepared to walk away for, from you forever. So if you are going to cut someone off because you're teaching them how to treat you, be prepared to not go back because that's teaching them how to treat you as well. If Oh, she'll be, she'll be back after two or three weeks. With me, it's like, mm -mm, you're not treating me good. I've already expressed to you that I don't like it. I expressed to you what I need. If you do not change the behavior, I'm out of here. There's no coming back. So, you know, that's, that's a part of teaching people how to treat you as well. But ladies, this has been a great conversation. We are now almost at an hour. I would love for all of us to follow one another. You guys can um, reach me on Instagram as well. Um, I'm going to follow each of you. You know what? I'm going to do that now because I know that when, when we log out of here, when I close the room, I won't have access to you. So if we could just follow one another that way, when other rooms pop up, you ladies are free to come in. We stay connected. We stay in the healing mode. We stay growing together. And that's what's important. That's what it's all about. So thank you everyone for sharing your story. Thank you so much for this room. I'm following you all now. And I hope to be in more room with you soon. Thank you so much. Erica, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, maybe we can work together really soon and, and open up a room together and mod together so that we can help more people to heal. Absolutely. Absolutely.
absolutely. Just let me know. Just DM me, and uh, we can set a time. You know, set it in the schedule. I put it on my calendar. Once it's in my calendar, it's locked. And um, because that's my goal is to help transform lives. Because I don't want people just to heal. I want you to heal and then go beyond. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you too, Dana, for hanging out with us. I really appreciate it. Maybe next time you'll feel comfortable and come on stage and share with us as well. Um, I look forward to seeing you ladies more often. And um, yeah, DM me if you have any questions and I'm available to you. Hopefully this room did add some value to each and every one of you. And like you said, Erica, we got to go beyond healing takes place every day. We got to keep going. But thank you, ladies. This has been another episode of the Goddess Glow Up Podcast. Once again, I am your host, Mona White. I am signing off. I really appreciate each and every one of you. You guys can catch me at I am Goddess One on Instagram. You can also catch me on I am Goddess TV and um monawhite.com is my website and I look forward to speaking with you and glowing with you in the future this is going to be an amazing year for not only myself but for you as well stay connected in the meantime and in between time until the next time you be fit be fierce be Fabulous, healthy is the new sexy.